Hello, sweet one. As promised, I'm going to do something a little different. Instead of having an edited and pre-recorded podcast, I will be doing live streaming so you can hear me, flaws and all, and applying it to my normal inspire entire platform as my new episodes so there is nothing that you need to do I will still be coming to you on all the platforms you are used to only now there are more benefits what this means for you are longer episodes that will help you to get the calm that you need to relax and to sleep well. It also means that if you tune into my live segments, rather than waiting for me to upload to Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you listen to, you will be able to interact with me. And this is how you do it. Go to twitch.tv That's T. W-I-T-C-H dot TV and search Inspire Entire Podcast and then click the follow button once you have found me. It's all free. Free to listen and free to interact. And then whenever I go live you will get a notification and can tune in. Listening live allows you the opportunity to chat with me through text as I talk. And if you choose that option, do not worry. Just as my identity always remains a mystery, your identity will as well. Because you create a username that you want. And no photo needs to be applied to create a profile. So if there is something you want to confess, questions that you have, Subjects you want to talk about, I am there live for you and will interrupt what I am talking about to address your needs so that you can fall asleep. And before I start, I just wanted to say that this instruction intro will be reset for the next few episodes so others are aware of the changes. And the only other thing I wanted to say is thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being you. You are a blessing to this world, and I am honored that you listen to my podcast. And now, sweet one, with that, I will start my live streaming. That will have some relaxation exercises, positive words of repetition, some fables, and a great story. Thank you for joining me again. As you can see, I still have not perfected anime as yet, but I will get better as it goes along. In the meantime, just close your eyes. I'm going to help you to fall asleep 
so it doesn't matter what the enemy looks like. It matters that you relax. And so close your eyes. And as you lay in your bed, just listen to my voice. And I want you to concentrate on your body and on your breathing. Is your breathing rapid? Try to slow it down. Are your eyes tight? Try to relax all the muscles around your eyes and then become aware of your mouth. Is it tight? Sometimes you can't tell unless you do a little exercise first. As you lay down, just give a little smile and then from that smile, gently and slowly begin to loosen the muscles until your face feels like it's in a relaxed position. And when that's done, I want you to concentrate on your jaw and your neck and your shoulders. Are your shoulders tight? Loosen them. Your back and your torso, your arms and your fingers. And with your fingers, I want you to wiggle them a little. Get some of that stress out of your arms and out of your fingers. And now go down to your legs and your toes. And with your toes, I want you to do the same thing as you did with your fingers. I want you to wiggle them a bit. Get all that tension out. Go back to your breathing. Has your breathing slowed? You should make your mind blink. Have nothing on your mind at all. Do you feel more relaxed? I hope so. And now... I'm going to read some things to you. But it doesn't really matter what I read. It just matters that you stay in this very calm and relaxed mood that you're in. And I see that the Nikki Crow has joined us. For those of you who have not joined her channel, she's an amazing gamer. She is one of the most interesting people you will find on Twitch. And last time, I read to you from Aesop's Fables. I do love Aesop's Fables. And so, I'm going to continue on today with the plane tree. 
two travelers, walking in the noonday sun, sought the shade of a wide-spreading tree to rest. As they lay looking up among the pleasant leaves, they saw that it was a plane tree. How useless is the plane, said one of them. It bears no fruit whatsoever, and only serves to litter the ground with leaves. Ungrateful creatures, said a voice from the plane tree, you lie here in my cooling shade, and yet you say I'm useless. Thus, ungratefully, O Jupiter, do men receive their blessings. And the moral of that story is, our best blessings are often the least appreciated. Do you ever feel that you are not appreciated? Do you ever feel invisible? Do you ever feel that you give so much of yourself and yet no one notices? It's perhaps because you are the best blessing of all. You are someone who gives. You have empathy inside you. You want to make this world a better place to live in. And you do this not through just the words that you say, but through your actions as well. And in the end, it really doesn't matter if others verbalize their appreciation or not. It just matters that you are who you are, for you are a blessing to this world. And I want you to never forget that. And I'm going to go on and read The Owl and the Grasshopper. The owl always takes her sleep during the day. And then, after sundown, when the rosy light fades from the sky and the shadows rise slowly through the wood, out she comes, ruffling and blinking from the old hollow tree. Now her weird sound echoes through the quiet wood, and she begins her hunt for the bugs and the beetles and the frogs and the mice that she likes to eat so well. Now there was a certain old owl who had become very cross and hard to please as she grew older, especially if anything disturbed her daily slumbers. One warm summer afternoon, as she dozed away in her den in the old oak tree, a grasshopper nearby began a joyous but a very raspy song. Out popped the old owl's head from the opening in the tree that served her both for door and 
for window. Get away from here, sir, said the grasshopper. Have you no manners? You should at least respect my age and leave me to sleep in quiet. But the grasshopper answered saucily that he had as much right to this place in the sun as the owl. And then he struck up a louder and still more rasping tune. The wise old owl knew quite well that it would do no good to argue with the grasshopper, nor with anyone else, for that matter. Besides, her eyes were not sharp enough by day to permit her to punish the grasshopper as he deserved. And so she laid aside all hard words and spoke very kindly to him. Well, sir, she said, if I must stay awake, I am going to settle right down to enjoy your singing. Now that I think of it, I have a wonderful wine here, sent to me from Olympus, of which I am told Apollo drinks as he sings to the high gods. Please, come up and taste this delicious drink with me. I know it will make you sing like Apollo himself. The foolish grasshopper was taken in by the owl's flattery words, and up he jumped to the owl's den. But as soon as he was near enough, so the old owl could see him clearly, she pounced upon him and ate him up. The moral of the story is flattery is not a proof of true admiration. Do not let flattery throw you off your guard against an enemy. And I think this is an important one to remember because, again, you do not do or say the things that you do so you can be admired by others. Rather, you do it and you say it because it is the right thing to do and to say. You do it and you say it because you want to pass positive energy into this world and again to make it a better place in which to live. And so, if you keep your life in that way, you will know you have no need for flattery and that will help you in your daily activities. For I have had different listeners write to me and tell me that they felt that somebody had been negative to them, somebody that they thought was in support of their actions and their words. But it turns out they were just taken in by this flattery because for some reason, their soul felt flattery was most important. Please remember, you are a blessing to this world. And if you truly believe that, you will not need the flattery 
that others give you. Now, I want to switch over to the book that I was reading to you. It was called The Giant Scissors. It's a very old book. And I want to continue on with chapter two. Chapter two is called A New Fairy Tale. And by the way, as I read this, just as I read the fables to you earlier, do not have to concentrate on the words that I say, but rather just on my voice and knowing that someone is there to help you to fall asleep. Once upon a time, on a far island of the sea, there lived a king with seven sons. The three eldest were tall and dark, with eyes like eagles and hair like a crow's wing for blackness. And no princes in all other land were so strong and fearless as they. The three youngest sons were tall and fair, with eyes as blue as cornflowers and locks like the summer sun for brightness. And no princess in all of the land were so brave and so beautiful as they. But the middle son was little and lorn. He was neither dark nor fair. He was neither handsome nor strong. So when the king saw that he never won in any of the tournaments, nor led in any of the boar hunts, nor sang to his lute among the ladies of the court, he drew his loyal and his royal robes around him, and henceforth frowned on his son. To each of the other sons he gave a portion of his kingdom, his armor and his plumes, a prancing charger, and a trusty sword. But to his middle son he gave nothing. And when the poor prince saw that his brothers were riding into the world with their fortunes, he fain would he have followed. Throwing himself on his knees before the king, he cried, O royal sire, bestow upon me also a sword and a steed that I may up and away to follow my brethren. But the king laughed. Them a sword, he said, thou who hast never done a deed of valor in all of thy life. In sooth thou shalt have one, but it shall be one befitting thy maiden's size and courage, if so small a weapon can be found in all of my kingdoms. Hmm. So far, I think the father is a little tough on his middle son. 
But I'm sure the middle son, just as I was telling you, everyone has value, and everyone is a blessing. So I'm hoping that something good happens for this middle son. Now just as that moment it happened that the court tailor came into the room to measure the king for a new mantle. Forthwith, with the grinding gesture, began shrieking with laughter so that the bells upon his cap were all set to jangling. What now, fool, demanded the king. I did but laugh to think that the sword of your middle son had been so quickly found, responded the jester, and he pointed to the scissors hanging from the tailor's girdle. By my truth, explained the king, it shall be even as thou sayest, and he commanded that the scissors be taken from the tailor, and back led to the battle and to the belt of his middle son. Not until thou hast proven thyself a prince with those shalt thou come into the kingdom. Until that far day, now get thee gone. And so the middle son left the palace and wandered away over mountain and more with a heavy heart. No one knew that he was a prince. No fireside offered him welcome. No lips gave him a friendly greeting. The scissors hung useless and rustling by his side. One night he lay in a deep forest, too unhappy to sleep. And he heard a noise near a hand in the bushes. By the light of the moon he saw that a ferocious wild beast had been caught by a hunter's snare and was struggling to free itself from the heavy net. His first thought was to slay the animal, for he had no meat for many days. And then he thought himself that he had no weapon that was large enough. And while he stood gazing at the struggling beast, it turned to him with such a beseeching look in its wild eyes that he was moved to pity. Thou shall have thy liberty, he cried, even though thou shouldn't render me in pieces the moment that you are free. Better dead than this craven life to which my father has doomed me. And so he set to work with the little scissors to cut the great ropes of the net. At first, each strand seemed as hard as steel, and the blades of the scissors were so rusty and dull that he could scarcely move them. Great beads of sweat stood out on his brow as he bent himself to the task. Presently, as he worked, the blades began to grow sharper and sharper and brighter. and brighter, and longer, and longer. By the time that the last rope was cut, the scissors were sharp, 
and half as long as his body. At last he raised the net to let the beast go free, and then he sank onto his knees in astonishment. It had suddenly disappeared, and in its place stood a beautiful fairy with wings which shone like rainbows in the moonlight. Prince, she said, in a voice like a crystal bells for sweetness, Thou dost not know that thou art in the domain of the frightful ogre. It was he who changed me into the form of wild beast and set the snare to capture me. But for thy fearlessness and faithful perseverance in the task which thou didst undertake, I must have perished at dawn. At this moment, there was a distant rumbling of thunder. It's the ogre, cried the fairy. We must hasten. Season the scissors that lay in the ground where the middle sun had dropped them. She opened and shut them several times, saying, Scissors, grow a giant height and save us from the ogre's might. Immediately they grew to an enormous size, and with blades extended, shot through the tangless thick ahead of them, cutting down everything that stood in their way. Bushes and stumps, trees and vines, nothing could stand before the fence and the onslaught of those mighty blades. The fairy darted down the path, thus opened up, and the middle son followed as fast as he could, for the horrible roaring was rapidly coming nearer. At last they reached a wide chasm that bounded the ogre's domain, and once across that they would be out of his power but it seemed impossible to cross. And again, the fairy touched the scissors, saying, Giant scissors, breach the path, give us a bridge, and save us from the ogre's wrath. Again, the scissors grew longer and longer until they lay across the chasm like a shining bridge and the middle son hurried across after the fairy, trembling and dizzy, for the ogre was almost upon them, and as soon as they were safe on the other side, the fairy blew upon the scissors, and presto, they became shorter and shorter, until they were only the length of an ordinary sword. Here, she said, giving them into his hand. Because thou persevered and was fearless in setting me free, there you shall win what your heart desires. But remember that thou cannot keep sharp and shiny unless they are used at least once a day in some unselfish service. And before he could thank her, 
she had vanished, and she was left, and he was left in the forest alone. He could see the ogre standing powerless to hurt him, and on the other side of the chasm, the gnawing of his teeth, each one of which was as big as a milestone. The sight was so terrible that he turned on his heel and fled as fast as his feet could carry him. And by the time he reached the edge of the forest, he was so tired and already faint from hunger, his heart's greatest desire being for food, he wondered if the scissors could obtain it for him as the fairy had promised. He had spent his last coin and knew not where to get another. And then, just then, he spied a tree hanging full of great and yellow apples. By standing on a tiptoe, he could barely reach the lowest one with his scissors. He caught up an apple and was about to take a bite when an old witch sprang out of a hollow tree across the road. So you are the thief who's been stealing my golden apples all this last fortnight, she explained. Well, you shall never steal again. That I promise you. Oh, fearsome seize on him and drag him into his darkest of dungeons. At that, a hideous-looking fellow with eyes like a frog's green hair and horrid, clammy, wet fingers clutched him before he could turn to defend himself. He was thrust into the dungeon and left there all day. At sunset, the frog-eyed fearsome opened the door to slide in a crust and a cup of water, saying in a croaking voice, You shall be hanged in the morning, hanged by the neck, until you are dead. And then he stopped to run his wet fingers through his damp green hair and grin at the poor captive prince as if he was enjoying his suffering. But the next morning, no one came to him. And he sat there all day in total darkness. At sunset, the fearsome opened the door again to thrust in another crust and some water and said to him that in the morning you shall be drowned. Drowned in the witch's mill pond with a great stone tied to your heels. And again the croaking creature stood and gloated over his victim and then left him to the silence of another long day in the dungeon. And the third day he opened the door and hopped in, rubbing his webbed hands together, and said, You are to have no food and drink tonight, for the witch thought of a far more horrible punishment for you. 
in the morning I shall surely come again, and then beware. Now as he stopped to grin once more at the poor prince, a fly darted in, and blinded by the darkness of the dungeon, threw straight in the spider's web above the hand of the prince. Poor creature, thought the prince, thou shalt not be left a prisoner in this dismal spot while I have the power to help you. And he lifted the scissors, and with one stroke he destroyed the web and gave the fly its freedom. As soon as the dungeon had ceased to echo with the noise of the frog, the prince heard a low buzzing sound in his ear. It was the fly, which was now by its shoulder. Let an insect in its gratitude teach you this, buzzed the fly. Tomorrow, if you remain here, you must certainly meet your doom, for the witch never keeps a prisoner past the third night. But escape is possible. Your prison door is of iron, but the shutter which bars the window is only of wood. Cut your way out at midnight, and I will have a friend in waiting to guide you to a place of safety. A faint glimmer of light on the opposite wall shows me the keyhole. I shall make my escape and go to repay your unselfish service to me. But know that the scissors move only when hidden in rhyme. Farewell. The prince spent all the following time until midnight trying to think of a suitable verse in which to use with the scissors. The art of rhyming had been neglected in his early education, and it was not until the first cock crowing began that he succeeded in making this one. Giant scissors served me well and saved me from the witch's spell. And as he uttered the words, the scissors leaped out of his hand and it began to cut the wood. And then the prince was able to crawl through the opening and there he stood outside the dungeon but it was a dark night, and he knew not which way to turn. He could hear the frog-eyed fearsome snorting like a tempest up in the watchtower, and the old witch was talking in her sleep in seven languages. While he stood looking around, he was in bewilderment. A firefly alit on his arm, Flashing its little lantern in the prince's face, it cried, This way, my friend. The fly sent me to guide you to a place of safety. Follow me and trust entirely in my guidance. And the prince flung his mantle over his shoulder and followed on with all possible speed. They stopped first at the witch's orchard, and the fly reply held a lantern up while the prince filled his pockets with the fruit. The apples were gold with emerald leaves, and the cherries were rubies, and the grapes were great bunches of amethyst. 
and when the prince had filled his pockets, he had enough wealth to provide all his wants for at least a twelfth-month. The firefly led him on until they came to a town where there was a fine inn, and there he left him and flew off to report the prince's safety to the fly and receive the promised reward. And here the prince stayed for many weeks, living like a king on the money that the fruit jewels had brought him. All of this time, the scissors were becoming little and rusty, because he never used them, not even once, as the fairy had told him to, in unselfish service for others. But one day he bethought himself of her command and started out to seek some opportunity to help someone. Soon he came to a tiny, but where a sick man lay mourning, while his wife and the children wept beside him. What is to become of me, cried the poor peasant. My grain must fall and rot in the field from overwipeness, because I have not the strength to rise and harvest it. Then indeed must we all starve. And the prince heard him, and that night, when the moon rose, he stood in the field to cut it down with the giant scissors. They were so rusty from the long idleness that he could scarcely move them. He tried to think of some rhyme with which to command them, but it had been so long since he had done any thinking. Except his own selfish pleasure, pleasure that his brain refused to work. However, he told all night, slowly cutting down the green stalk, little by little, and then towards morning, the scissors became brighter and sharper, until they finally began to open and shut on their own accord. The whole field was cut by sunrise, and now the peasant's wife had risen very early to go down to the spring and dip up some cool water for her husband to drink. And she came upon the prince. It was as he was cutting down the last row of the grain and fell on her knees to thank him. From that day, the peasant and all of his family were friends with the prince and would have gone through fire and water to serve them. And after that, he had many adventures, and he was very busy, for he never forgot again what the fairy had said. The only unselfish service each day could keep the scissors sharp and shiny. And when the shepherd lost a little lamb one day on the mountain, it was the prince who found it and caught it by the fleece in the tangle of crushed thorns. And when he had cut it loose and carried it home, the shepherd also became his friend and would have gone through fire and water to serve him. A grand lame who had supplied the merchant whom he rescued from robbers and the king's counselor to whom he gave aid all became his friends. Up and down the land, to beggar or lord, homeless wanderer, 
or high-born dame, he gladly gave unselfish service, all unsought, and such as he helped straightforward became his friends. Day by day, the scissors grew sharper and sharper, and even more quick to spring at his bidding. One day, a herald dashed down the highway, shouting through his silver trumpet that a beautiful princess had been carried away by an ogre. She was the only child of a king of his country, and the knights and the nobles of all the other realms and all the other royal people had prayed to come to her rescue, to him who could hire and bring her back to her father's castle, should be given the throne and the kingdom, as well as the princess herself. So far and near, indeed, from almost every country under the sun, came knights and princes to fight the ogre, and one by one their brave heads were cut off and stuck on poles along the moat that surrounded the castle. And still the beautiful princess languished in her prison. Every night at sunset she was taken up to the roof for a glimpse of the sky and told to bid goodbye to the sun, for the next morning would surely be her last and then she would wring her little hands and wave a sad farewell to her home, lying far to the west. When the knights saw this, they would rush down to the chasm and sound a challenge to the ogre. They were brave men, and they would not have feared to meet the fiercest wild beast, but many shrunk back when the ogre came rushing out, they dared not meet his single combat. This monster with gnarling teeth, each one of which was as big as a millstone. Among those who drew back were the prince's brothers, the three that were dark and the three that were fair. They would not acknowledge fear. They said they were only waiting to lay some witty plan to capture the ogre. And after several days, the middle prince reached the place on foot. See him, laughed one of the brothers, that was dark to the one that was fair. He comes afoot. No prancing steed, no plumes, no trusty sword, little and lorn. He is not fit to be called a brother to us princes. But the middle prince heeded not their taunts. He dashed across the drawbridge, and opening his scissors he cried, Giant scissors, rise to power, grant me my heart's desire this hour. The crowds on the other side held their breath as the ogre rushed out, brandishing a club as big as a church's steeple. Then whack, 
and bang. The blows of the scissors warding off the blows of the mighty club. It could be heard for miles around. And at last, the middle prince became so exhausted that he could scarcely raise his hand and was plain to see that the scissors could not do battle much longer. By this time, a great many people attracted by the terrible noise had come running, running up the moat. The news had spread that the prince was in danger, and so everyone whom he had ever served dropped whatever he was doing and ran to the scene of the battle. The peasant was there, and the shepherd, and the lords, and the beggars, and the high-born dames, all those who the middle prince had ever befriended. And as they saw that the poor prince was about to be vanquished, they all began a great lamentation and cried, He saved my harvest, said one. He found my lamb, cried another. He showed not a greater kindness than anyone could possibly do, said a third. And so they went on and on, each telling of some unselfish service that the prince had rendered. Their voices all joined at last into such a roar of gratitude that the scissors were given fresh strength on account of it, and they grew longer and longer and stronger and stronger until with one great swoop they swung forward and cut the ugly old ogre's head from his shoulders. Every cap was thrown up and such cheering rent the air as has never been heard since. They did not know his name. They did not know that he was a middle prince, but they knew his valor and that he was of royal blood in his veins. And so they all cried out long and loud, Long live the prince! Long live the prince! And then the king stepped down from his throne and took off his crown to give to the conqueror. But then the middle prince put it aside. No, he said, the only kingdom that I crave is a kingdom of a loving heart and a happy fireside. Keep all but the princess. So the ogre was killed and the prince came into its kingdom and got his heart's desire. He had married the princess and there was feasting and merrymaking for seventy days and seventy nights and they all lived happily ever after. And when the feasting was over and the guests had all gone to their homes, the prince pulled down the house of the ogre and built a new one. On every gable he fastened a pair of shining scissors to remind him that only through unselfish service to others comes the happiness that is highest and best. Over the great entrance gate he hung and valiantly said, 
Only those who belong to the kingdom of loving hearts and happy homes can ever enter here. What a great story. I love this book. And for those of you who had missed last time I spoke, this book is called The Giant Scissors. And so you see, the prince had great value. The prince was a blessing to the world. Just as you have value, and just as you are a blessing to this world. And although you may think that some do not recognize the good deeds that you do for them, they do. They may be laying in wait to return the kindness. And even if that does not happen, that is not your goal in this world. That is not the goal in your heart. Your goal is to do good, to act, and to say that which is good. Serve others and your heart will grow and your heart's desire to find love and to find happiness will dwell with you all of your days. And so as you start to fall asleep, I want you to remember you do have value. You are a blessing. You do have value. You are a blessing. You do have value. You are a blessing. And as you fall asleep, I want you to say words, positive words about yourself over and over again until you fall asleep and wake up fresh and positive and happy to greet the next morning. Good night, sweet ones. Sleep well.